Welcome to Dodgers Daily. Casey Porter here. So glad you decided to tune in. We have a very, very, very special guest with us. Pitching coach in the Dodgers organization. Was with Double A Tulsa last year during a linger. And hey, coach, I checked just this morning. It is the year 2024. And I have it confirmed. You did indeed touch the bag at first base to get Michael Bush out to end that regional. It has been confirmed again in 2024. That is true. There's photo evidence of it and all. <laughs> okay, awesome. So you were with Double A Tulsa last year. You were with Rancho the year before. And you've done a lot of work in the system all the way up and down. First of all, I want to talk about your manager, Scott Hennessy. Henny, he beat cancer this year. So that was the best part of this year, no doubt. No question. And Henny is an unbelievable person. And there's no question that everybody in the org knew that he was going to beat it. And just to see him come back at the end of the year and coach third base, uh, it, it just fired the entire team up. And it's just, it, it epitomizes who Scott Hennessy is. You know, I've talked to him multiple times this offseason, and I'm fortunate enough to get to know him personally and get to be back on staff with him again this year. All right, that's fantastic. And Juan Apodaca, I know there were maybe some rumblings that the Dodgers were going to send down some roaming coaches to help you guys out and to, to kind of, you know, keep things going at Tulsa. But he did such a knockdown, dragout, awesome job that that wasn't needed. I mean, he was the leader that you guys needed, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, and, and it was a seamless transition just because Oppo was already there as the bench coach and he had taken reins on the positioning. So, you know, when Henny had to step out uh, for a little bit, I, it was it was easy. You know, Oppo just stepped right in and did exactly what he needed to do. And kind of, I know him and Henny talked all the time. So it was Henny wasn't there, but he was still there. And that everybody was always thinking about him. By the way, Abdaka's son, he's about like 10 years old. I know he gets to come with him in the – in the summertime games when he's not in school. Some take some BP in Wichita. That little dude's going to be able to bomb someday, isn't he? Uh, he's got an unbelievable swing, and he always has a ball and a, and a catcher's mitt in his hand. So, I mean, he is he loves baseball. It was really cool getting to be around him and seeing him interact with the players. And I know that it, it was sad when he had to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. One of the greatest parts of the Dodgers, I say this about their players and their managers as well, just absolutely no ego whatsoever. Everybody's in it for the best of everybody. So, hey, you have co-pitching coaches. The Dodgers went to that a couple of years ago. You and Ryan Dennett got to work together. Dennett is just simply fantastic. So, first of all, talk about him and what that working relationship was like as you two both tackled so much, so much talent as far as the pitchers went. Yeah, I, I don't think I can put into words how much Dinnick means to me personally. Um, I mean, me and him are extremely close. Uh, I was lucky enough to work with him in Great Lakes in 2021, the first year after COVID. And, you know, we developed a very strong working relationship. You know, it, we play off each other really well. Um, and I think the players respond to both of us. So it, it makes everything easy. And then, you know, it also helps when you're – Surrounded by so much talent as we are up and down the system with the Dodgers, you know, we're extremely fortunate to be in the position we're in, both at the big league level and on the farm. Um, but Denick is going to do a lot of really great things. Uh, I mean, he kind of is a unicorn. He played in the big leagues. He knows how to code. He understands biomechanics at an extremely high level. Um, <laughs> there just isn't really any any weaknesses that Denick has. And I've personally learned almost everything from him after being with him in 21 and again this past year. Uh, so I, I owe a lot of my successes as a coach to him. Awesome, man. And then also 
one really cool thing about it is you guys, up and down the system, the pitching coaches have all worked together. Of course, you do in spring training at the complex, but even like at Rancho and on different teams. So the handoffs, like say from Great Lakes to you guys, I talked to DA Dave Anderson just a couple of weeks ago. They're just absolutely seamless, aren't they? They are. And it's exactly what you said. It's top down, you know, and I can go into a 30 minute conversation about how close David and I are uh, and the same thing with Coin and I. And it's it makes it really easy for us. Like I said, we're extremely fortunate with the amount of talent that we're surrounded with and how hard each guy works because they all really want to make an impact at, a, at the big league level. Um, but Coin does a great job in Rancho and then in Great Lakes, David does an unbelievable job. I mean, we got multiple people from him this past year, and it was a plug-and-play because of how well they were coached there and how well they've been developed and understanding their arsenal and knowing what kind of pitcher they're going to be. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some bumps along the road whenever you go to a new level, just dealing with a little bit more talent in the opposing lineups. But they're so well coached in the handoffs, and, and the information is – is so well done throughout our system that it makes our job so much easier when we get these guys. I say this all the time. You got to see it this last year. Is double A the toughest jump in the minor leagues? Uh, it is a lot harder than being when I was in Rancho the year before, just because the, the lineups become a lot more complete. You get to see so much talent on the other teams. And these guys are about their budding stars, you know, and you see guys that are going to be impact big league players for these other organizations. And you, you see them at a juncture in their career where they're like extremely close mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to get them out. Like I, I know we we saw Evan Carter this year when we were in Frisco and he on paper, he was like, oh, this guy's an unbelievable player. And then you see him in person like, OK, he's even better than I thought he was going to be. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a really cool level just because there's, there's so much, there's so much talent and it's so deep that there aren't as many holes to exploit in opposing lineups. And the same thing with the guys on the mound that we're facing as well. And never a dull moment. Cause it seems like your roster is changing by the day. It is, but that's the best part of the job, right? Is to see these guys either get traded or move up to triple a and the big leagues, you know, getting to see Emmett and Kyle make their debut last year just makes, makes the job worth it. And just to see these guys kind of progress in their career, it, it, it doesn't matter the, the influx of players that we get. And, you know, our job is simply to get them one step closer to the big leagues and help our big league team win a world series. So, you know, it's the state of the roster is, it is what it is, right? That's, that's the minor league system, no matter what level you're at, but it's really cool to see how close these guys actually are. You put together a couple good months, and you never know where you'll be at the end of the year. You mentioned Kyle Hurt and Emmett Sheehan. They made their Major League debuts, and Emmett actually went. He's the second guy in consecutive years that actually went straight from A Tulsa to the Major Leagues. Michael Grove also did that as well the year before. So let's start with Kyle Hurt. I know Dodgers fans are super excited about him. Why should the Dodgers fans be that excited about Kyle Hurt? Well, when a guy has two 80-grade pitches, it's pretty easy to get excited about him. Uh, the fastball explodes. It's up mid to upper 90s, and it just has a propensity to miss bats. Uh, I mean, it carries well through the zone, and then not to mention his changeup. Uh, he is able to split the zone vertically so well that you have to basically pick which one you're going to sell out for, and when he throws the other one, you look terrible. And that's what we saw in Tulsa this year. And even when he went up to OKC, he continued his great streak. I mean, he he has some of the best swing and miss stuff I've seen. And just to see how it translates to other opposing players, 
Like, like they just walk back to the dugout and they're like, I have no chance of hitting that change up. And, and I, I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that he also has two above average breaking balls to go along with the fastball and change up. Uh, you know, he, he's going to excel in any position that he gets put in, whether it's bullpen starting rotation. Uh, you know, he, there's no telling how good he can be. Uh, and to see him make his debut last year and also face the middle of the Padres lineup and just go six up, six down is it w- was cherry on top for him. Without going into real specific details, I know he mentioned that his key was repeating his delivery. What were some of the things that you did to help him with that? Yeah, so it's delivery consistency and winning counts, you know, and that's a large portion of what Denick and I talked to a lot of the guys about last year is at that point, you know, you have some ebbs and flows throughout the season where throws get out of whack and, you know, you kind of put up, you tighten the guardrails and make sure they get back in line. Um, and But for him, the biggest transition from the year before to this past year was was winning counts and playing baseball. Yes. And, you know, he he did just that and he bought into that system and understood his arsenal and what pitch should I use to get ahead of guys? How am I going to suppress damage? How am I going to put guys away? Putting guys away was never going to be an issue for Kyle, clearly, as many guys as he strikes out. But, you know, the issue becomes it's hard to strike guys out when you're not in 0-2-1-2 counts. So when he just bought into that and he did a lot of really good work at CBR with Rob and the entire pitching crew. Denick was out there with him this past offseason and really hammered home the fact of like, hey, what each pitch does for him and his arsenal. And he put in so much work just to see how the season played out for him. It's no shock. And and that's the cool part about our job is that, you know, the fans that come to the game see the output. Yes. But they don't always see how hard these guys work at their at perfecting their craft, you know, during the day and throughout the off season. And he bought into everything of that and he played baseball this past year and made his debut and there's and he's going to continue to pitch a lot of big time innings for us it's amazing to me when i hear guys like you talk that are so advanced in your knowledge of the game and the mechanics of it you mentioned biomechanics of it and all that part of it is so important for guys like kyle hurt but then i also hear you talk about hey at some point you still have to keep it as simple as strike one is better than ball one Absolutely. <laughs> and and winning the one one counts is extremely important. And yes. how can we avoid getting into three ball counts? You know, and, and that's what Kyle did just that. Yeah, I mean he he did that and most of that bats were done in four pitches or less because they go the guys were walking back to the dugout. I mean he had I think it was two or three it was at least two starts this past year in Tulsa where he had eleven strikeouts through like oh, just four plus innings. The other team had no chance. Let's move to Emmett Sheehan and that explosive fastball, the swing and miss stuff. Talk about him. Yeah, it's the the exact same thing I just said about Kyle. I mean, except that Emmett's fastball, it, if it's on a twenty eighty scale, it's a ninety. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he would go out there and he could just bully guys with fastballs when he was in Tulsa. But the whole point of what we we're trying to get out of him, to knowing that obviously he has. Bigger expectations than just pitching well in Tulsa is, you know, getting him prepared for the big leagues in AAA um, was to allow the secondaries to catch up to the fastball. And that was a large portion of his development this past year early on in the first two months uh, is, you know, he has a really tight bullet slider that goes along with the fastball and the changeup is devastating off of it. It's similar to what I was discussing with Kyle. It splits his own vertically. He has the slider that can get in on lefties' hands. It it can go away from righties. so, so it was Emmett knew he could go throw 90% fastballs and he was probably going to put up similar numbers to what he did when he was in Tulsa last year. But the fact that he bought into 
what he needed to do to get out of Tulsa and be good right away was to allow the secondaries to catch up. So, you know, as good as the fastball is, it, that makes things a lot easier when you already have that in the middle of the pitcher and then you can just surround everything else with it. That's That makes him a complete pitcher. One thing I hear guys say as they move up levels is that, hey, I have this pitch like a changeup and it tumbles like 50 inches and metrically it's an incredible pitch. And then I move up like to double A AA and triple A and then guys stop swinging at it. And the next thing you know, I'm in ball count. So is that one of the biggest adjustments for guys like that? Yeah, so that was kind of what Emmett loves to see how things move on TrackMan, and that's a big reason why he is as good as he is, is because he understands that information extremely well, and that's a big shout-out to Rob and Donnie and, and, and Will Rhymes. Everybody in our player development system, when we get these guys drafted, they, they come in, and the first thing is do is like we, we start – basically telling them how all this stuff moves and understanding themselves, you know, and giving them every bit of information that they can understand. Um, and Emmett obviously ran with that. So he could get caught up as do most people and how much my changeups moving or how much my sliders moving and exactly what you say. Sometimes it doesn't match the angle that comes out with the fastball. So everybody advanced hitters are just going to spit on it because a ball is always going to be a ball, right? It's there's no point at any time in the trajectory of that ball that it's going to be in the zone. So how do you combat that? You show that you can throw both those pitches in zone. So then you try to entice swings. So whenever you get swings, you're going to increase chase rates. You're going to increase miss because everything, all three pitches that he has create well above average miss. And the fastball alone is just knows that everybody knows it's going to beat them. So you have to sell out for that. And then all of a sudden he shows that he can throw a slider or change up in zone. And that's what was the most impressive thing about when he went to the big leagues was the change up was just off the charts. I mean, yeah. that was something that he leaned heavily on and it was really cool to see because I mean, from where he was, you know, in 21, when we saw Denick and I had him for his last start in 21, he had just got moved up to great lakes to where he was this past year and where he's going to be this year. And, you know, slotted in for whatever position he's going to be in to make our team out of spring training. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's leaps and bounds in terms of his own personal development. And it goes back to how much work he's put in and understanding himself and, you know, what he should value and how to play the game. And, you know, it, he he puts together some of the better bullpens that I've seen also in between starts. So he is constantly prepared. Another guy that I have been telling Dodgers fans is going to be a rock star. He thinks like a major leaguer. Everybody enjoys the minor leagues, the camaraderie of your teammates and all that. But the guy I'm getting ready to talk about next just seems like he is using the minor leagues only to become a major leaguer. That's the way he thinks. His stuff is absolutely electric. River Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so River's a North Carolina guy. And I was lucky enough to coach him for a couple months in Rancho in 21. Uh and once again, I sound like a broken record here, Casey, but it, to, to see how much these guys have developed in even a calendar year is just unbelievable. You know, he was drafted as a two-way guy. UNC Pembroke uh, had only thrown like one or two bullpens with the Padres, and then we got him over here and converted him to just a pitcher. And to see how far he's taken off is an understatement of how, how good he can actually be. Two well above average breaking balls. Uh, the curveball is... A devastating pitch creates it created over forty percent miss pat this past year. Uh, the slider was something that he developed in twenty one and then continued to refine this past year, and that was a large portion of you know where he would spend his bandwidth throughout the year in terms of you know decreasing uh, 
you know, variability with the movement that when it comes out of his hand. And as soon as he put together that, I mean, he was throwing his slider just as much as he was throwing his fastball at times. I mean, it, it's 35% plus um, to both left and right. And it's 88 to 90. Uh, it's, it's been up to 94. I uh, got a little behind that one, but at 88 to 90 with bullet shape, um, throws it in zone a ton, creates a ton of chase, gets a lot of swings, off-barrel contact, creates the miss he needs to. And then not to mention, oh, he has another changeup that moves in the completely opposite direction. And on top of that, his fastball is up to 101 this year. So, you know, you, you put all that together, it's as a hitter, it makes it really hard. <laughs> no doubt. And when you talk about Kyle, you talk about Emmy, you talk about River. I just, from what I'm hearing you say here, it just sounds like the key to them is just to get hitters to swing the bat. That was the M.O. from Denick and I this entire year. Get swings. If you're getting swings, that means you're around the zone. If you're around the zone, your stuff is going to beat them more often than not. You know, and it, it's easy to get carried away with strikeouts and chase rates. But, you know, a lot of those are dependent on the counts you're in. You know, you're not going to strike anybody out early in count. Right. Like, so if you're not in a position to have any leverage against the hitter, you're just never going to you're never going to have success. So that was what they heard from us. And they all ran with it. I mean, those first two months that we had in the season. Now, granted, it was one of the better pitching staffs that I I have personally ever seen at one time. And to see all of them click at the same time was even the more rare thing to just because usually some guys are like they'll go through little funks and then they'll hit their stride. But like to see all six of those guys come out of the gates last year, uh, if we gave up more than three runs, it was like, man, we pitched horrendously tonight. Uh, and that's a, kind of a ridiculous thing to say, but it's a testament to how hard those guys worked and they pushed each other and they all wanted to basically one up each other every single night. And what did that do? It wreaked havoc on opposing teams. <laughs> it did. It did. Another guy that I think is flying a little bit under the radar, just an elite athlete. He said himself, too, by the way, his wife is actually a fiance, I think, actually is a better athlete than him. And, hey, it didn't always show up in the box score. And that that's the beauty of minor leagues. And I try to tell people this. Don't look at a box score and evaluate guys on this. They're working on this. They're trying to make a transition here. So it doesn't, you know, the adjustments they're making don't always show up as far as the statistic goes. Ben Kasparigas, I felt like last year, at the end of last year, he's throwing better than he ever had. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So once again, I was fortunate enough to be able to coach Kasparigas for the first half of 2021 in Rancho. Went up to Great Lakes the second half last year, endured some hardships for sure you know, growing pains, right? That's kind of expected for everybody. And then he went back to Great Lakes this year and absolutely dominated the league, got up to us really early on in the year and was a seamless fit for us. Uh, you, you, exactly what you said. You, you can't you can't compare how people are doing just on how many runs they're giving up and how many innings they're pitching. Uh, a lot of these guys are on extreme pitch counts, number one. So, like, you know, their, their ups are going to be extremely limited just from uh, a workload aspect. But on top of that, Kasparius really hit his stride the last month and a half of the year. And then he carried that over into the fall league. And, and it was awesome to see him get the opportunity to go pitch in the fall league. He very well deserved it. Um, but once again, he has a fastball in the mid nineties was up to 98 this past year, which was a PR for him, which was cool to really see, especially being at the end of the year, didn't miss a single start last year. And on top of that has a slider that is the centerpiece of his arsenal and introduced multiple different pitches. You know, he went through an, phase where he had the cutter to left, but the cutter kind of dissipated and we turned that efforts into a curveball towards the end of the year. And he has his changeup that he works on. So, I mean, he has an arsenal to get both sided hitters out and, you know, so 
had a couple hard outings when he first got up to us, but you're, when you're in a hitter friendly environment, that's going to happen. Sure. And he stayed the course and really dove into looking ahead to who he was going to face when he would go into his bullpens, picking a couple hitters out just randomly, and then looking them up on his own, taking that game plan into his bullpen, and then working strictly counts. And, you know, once again, his his success towards the end of the year was the ability to throw his pitches around the zone, especially his fastball. Um, his fastball control got a lot better throughout the year. And on top of that, he started increasing his velo, which whenever you're starting to throw harder, you're going to increase your margin of error regardless of the impact. The so does that has. give you more confidence to throw your fastball in the zone when you get that more margin for error? Absolutely. Yeah. And on top of that, too, so like his fastball is almost a complementary piece to what his slider does. He's a he's a little unique in terms of we talked about Emmett, who is, you know, fastball centric. Um, Kasparius has a really good fastball, but his slider is very good. So like he almost can build off of his arsenal from a different aspect than some of the other guys would just because he has the ability to spin a breaking ball at, at an elite level. Nick Frosso, I tell people all the time, it's just a matter of health for him. He has a fastball that can go over 100 miles an hour. He has extension that is crazy. He, in my opinion, has some crossfire where he lands a little bit towards the third base side. It's all about the knees and elbows. I, if I was a right-handed hitter, I, I just would say no thanks to hitting off of Nick Frosso. Yeah, and I think that the right-handed hitters that faced him this past year would also agree with you. <laughs> uh, the numbers that he had against righties last year were uh, on another planet. And his crossfire and how twitchy he is for how tall, his le how big his levers are, are, are truly incredible. Uh, it, it's an angle on a fastball I've personally never seen. And it's something that would lock uh, umpires up, too. Yes. So like, he would go, he threw to his glove side really well. So for somebody that's extremely crossfire, that's almost striding behind a right-handed hitter, to be able to locate with the metrics he has on his fastball, the ability that he creates to, to create the angle on it, to throw it to the glove side, it is, it is really hard. It's, it's hard a slider, to basically. It, it is, and it's, it's something that uh, makes him really good, right? I mean, he's an elite strike thrower. He doesn't walk guys, and he has – Secondary pitches that are complementary pieces to his fastball, but he's more in line with what Emmett is, where it's like his fastball is like the crown jewel of his arsenal. Uh, but his ability to throw it to the glove side is unparalleled. So do you worry at all? You know, you talk about Emmett and Kyle and a lot of these guys, River Ryan, they're, they're kind of the same profile type pitchers. Is that a worry at all that, that they're all so similar? So I, I don't know if I'd consider them similar. Uh, it's tough, right? Because what we value is obviously fastball. I mean, fastball characteristics. Naturally, that's what everybody wants because a good four seam is arguably the yes. best pitch in baseball. But um, they all have different aspects to their fastball, right? So, like, I know you mentioned Emmett has some ride run on it. Uh, you know, they classified it as a two seam when he moved to the big league ball, but it's very much a, a ride run four seam. But it's his, it's the release metrics that are different. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, no matter how similar these are, these guys like might appear on paper, they're, they're so different yeah. to game plan against. Um, and you're going to get a different look from every single guy that we had in the Tulsa rotation to start last year. Have you guys measured the extension of, of Frosso? How close he is to home plate when he delivers the ball? Yes. I, I mean, I know he's, he's north of seven feet of extension. 
Good grief. Holy smokes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, the angle that he's creating is it, it profiles itself as a very good fastball. Okay. Kendall Williams, another, yeah, we talked about a lot of these guys being similar. Kendall brings you a lot of uniqueness because he has that split finger fastball. He's got a lot of downhill to him. So talk about Kendall. I know he made it up to AAA at the end of last year. He did. Yeah. So once again, I was fortunate enough to coach Kendall in 21 and, in, in, uh, and Rancho and to see him kind of climb through the system was really cool to have him at Tulsa last year. Uh, and he hit the ground running when he came to us. High pitch ability, throws a two seam and four seam. I would say he leans a little bit heavier on the two seam. Um, but also, I mean, he can throw either. They're distinguishable from each other. And he really values the aspect of game planning. So when he goes into a game, he is extremely prepared in knowing what four seam will play better. When should I throw it in the count? Uh, he has the slider that took on more of a sweeper profile last year, but it was it worked really well off of his two seam and his four seam. And then the splitter was devastating at times. Yes. I mean, he it, it comes out different out of his hand depending on how it slips, right? So like it's it, it's hard to game plan against because sometimes he'll cut through it, and then sometimes it'll tumble forward, and sometimes it'll have negative vert. So I mean, it's but his ability to throw it in zone was uh, it, it made it that much better of a pitch. So then when he would get it to a chase zone uh, with two strikes, the uh, guys would swing at it. So uh, he kind of racked up the strikeouts with us towards the end of the year. Um, and then he went on to pitch once in AAA, and then he was uh, fortunate enough to go pitch in the Fall League this past year too, and he was a Fall League all-star. So he carried over his success he had in Tulsa with us right into the Fall League. So, I mean, but his pitch ability is through the roof. Last starter we're going to talk about, hey, you need those, you know, we talk about the rock stars you also need the Rocks. Orlando Ortiz Mayer may have gave you guys some of the most important innings of the year because he was so reliable. Yeah, and that was something that he really wanted to focus on. When he came up there, I mean, obviously extremely coached, knew exactly what his arsenal was doing when he was down there in Great Lakes with DA. Uh, so he came up to us and was almost a plug-and-play. It was almost challenging him to like, hey, like you need to go throw six innings tonight. However we need to do that, we're going to go through six innings. You have 100 pitches. Let's go do it. And that was what he embraced going into it. And not only that, but he pitched at an extremely high level, which yeah. also helps too. You know, his slider is very, very good to right-handed hitters. And it played up to left when he got up there, which was a little bit of a challenge for him because he hadn't thrown his slider to left as much as he did until he came to Tulsa. Um, and because of his changeup is probably his best pitch, and that's something when we – took him out of college i mean he he threw like 65 percent changeups in college so i mean that's like a pitch that he can roll out of bed right now and he'll go through three out of four strikes um so like we already knew that you can build off of that but now starting to throw more right on right changeups more left on or right on left sliders um and then you have the two seam that would run up to 95 96 and once again similar to what i mentioned with kendall high pitch ability and he he is an absolute bulldog like he wants, he wants the ball. He's gonna stay on the mound. He's gonna eat up innings, and he's gonna keep you in a ball game. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did for us the entire second half of the year, and put together some incredible starts where we left. He left the game, and we were in a position to win. And arguably, that's the most important thing: uh, starting pitching. Yeah, and for some of the reasons why a lot of these guys can't go long distances is because they get a lot of swing and miss, so they have to throw more pitches. Orlando seems like the exact opposite. He he is able to go longer because he gets a lot of swing and hit and a lot of soft contact. Yeah, so he so if you look at a box score like you mentioned earlier, right? It might not be the the sexy nine strikeouts, right? 
But he also is very capable of doing that. But he knows his game plan going in is I'm going to try to get through as many innings innings as possible. So how do you do that? You control pitches, you try to end at bats as fast as you possibly can. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, it was a relentless attack in zone. And it was just like, Hey, like, I'm going to throw this here. You're going to beat me. And if you beat me good for you, cause I'll get the next guy out, you know, and by the way, I throw a sinker that's going to get put on the ground a ton. So here's a double play. So I'm out of the inning in six pitches. Yeah. And that's exactly what he embraced. And it was cool because it's a little bit of a, of a change up from the other guys that we've been talking about where it's like, those guys are going to yes. rack up more strikeouts and they're going to take longer at bats. And sometimes that might work out in a 30 pitch inning. You know, if Orlando was throwing 30 pitches, he's probably through three innings. Okay. Landon Knack, the last starter we're going to talk about. I have told people many different times that, Hey, yes, he can run it up there to 96 at times, but he is his whole MO. He is a very, very, very skilled strike thrower with four pitches. Yeah. Just like you said it, uh, it is, it is the full pitcher for a, for a starting pitcher. I mean, he, he can do anything you ask him to do. You, can, you can't game plan against him because he'll be able to exploit you both horizontally and vertically in the zone. And he's good enough to go ahead and throw all those pitches exactly where he wants to. You know, so slider played up really well last year. The changeup has air breaks. Uh, it, it's one of those pitches that looks exactly like his fastball until it's 11 miles an hour slower than it. And it's guys are looking silly trying to swing at it. And he throws his four seam at the top of the zone. Like he can climb the zone so well. Yep. And he flips in his curveball in OO counts, early middle counts, and steals a strike, doesn't get a ton of swings on it because it's just like a different look. And then it doesn't allow him to overexpose anything else he throws. And and similar to what we were just talking about with Orlando, before you know it, he's through five innings and you have one hit and he struck out eight. You know, I mean, it, he's another guy that's an absolute bulldog. I know that he had a a tougher year in twenty two, but this past year is just what what's going to happen more often than not with him. And I know that he put in a ton of work in the off season and CBR the year before as well. And I know he's doing that now. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about Landon as a pitcher. Uh, he were, he works so hard and he is going to be a staple of our, of helping our big league team going forward. You mentioned being like Orlando in the sense that he can go deeper into games. He's actually the only pitcher at triple Oklahoma city all year long that made it through seven innings, believe it or not. Yeah, and at the time before he left us, I mean, he I think he had two of our three quality starts in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, I know his last start that he had with us was in a crucial playoff race against Arkansas. And, I mean, he just absolutely diced him for seven and two-thirds innings. And it was just kind of like – it was like a big moment. Landon, here's the ball. Here's the opposing lineup you're going to go face. Go get him. And mm-hmm. he knew exactly what he wanted to do to each guy, and he went out and did it. It's, I mean, he was. It's refreshing to sit back and see him go to work because everything he does in between starts is so detailed and and so yes. process oriented to the point where he gets there on game day and it's just it's another day because he's already done everything that he wanted to do for that week. Now it's just a matter of like, I'm just going to go get everybody out. And that's what he did. <laughs> Let's get into some of your relievers, all of your relievers. We'll talk about them. The guy I want to talk about first, the guy that exploded onto the scene, you and Denick, man, you guys did wonderful work for him. I told Dodgers fans about this guy. He was going to be in the major leagues in 2024. I'm so glad it's going to be at the Dodgers because he is so good, and he is quite possibly the most focused human being I have ever been around. Ricky Venasco, he exploded onto the scene, didn't he? Oh, there's no question about that. We got Ricky in the middle of the year uh, with the trade from Texas. And 
he showed up to us after spending about, I don't know, a couple weeks in Arizona, kind of getting everything together. And I know that Rob and Walsh and all those guys down there in Arizona did a great job with preparing him and getting him ready, taught him a slider that he'd never thrown before, um, came into Tulsa and his velo just continued to climb. His confidence continued to climb. And he was the guy when we were ahead in the eighth or ninth inning, it's like Ricky's getting the ball and he deserved it. I mean, he went out there and he just didn't give up runs in the second half of the year. And then he went to OKC and did the exact same thing. Uh, he's very similar. I mean, his fastball is second to none. It, it just it absolutely explodes. I mean, I know it's it's four to seven. He was up to ninety nine. Um, there's room to believe he'll probably throw a little bit harder. But it, it, his fastball plays up so much for something that's already in the mid nineties, and guys just got absolutely blown away by it. And then, not to mention, he's throwing a mid eighties curveball off of it, so like he's splitting the zone vertically unbelievably well. And then he has that intermediary option with the slider that kind of bullets to help strike acquisition and different things like that. But his fastball curveball combo is lethal. It really is. He was very, very, very impressive. And like I said, very focused. I mean, it, he was very – I didn't know who he was. And, and boy, by the end of the season, I, I've just – I've been singing his praises ever since. So impressed with him. Two guys that I think will ETA this year, and I cannot wait to see it. Alec Gamboa, who hit as high as, I believe, 99 with AAA Oklahoma City this year. And then John Rooney that you guys made a million different adjustments with. Last year he took to all of them. And they both ended up in AAA, but you guys did a lot of great work with those two. So both Gamby and Rooney were in Tulsa the entire year prior with Denick, and to see them kind of explode onto the scene and buy into everything that they needed to do to get better uh, was was really cool to see. I mean, Gamby really uh, obviously he increased his velo and he has significant carry to the fastball and also threw a ton in zone. Developed the slider that him and Denick worked really hard on. Uh, and also still had the changeup that he always had. And, and it, you just don't see, like, he has that old school look to his throw that you don't see very often anymore. And not Fernando, baby. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, he makes it work. And it's, it's a really hard angle on the fastball on top of it being mid 90s. And it's, once again, it's a relentless attack in zone. And he bought into what he needed to do. And he did a lot of really good stand in work. And I know him and Denick worked countless hours between the last three years that they were together. So to see him kind of explode onto the scene, get up to OKC, really helped that team win a lot of games is really cool. And that'll lead me into Rooney did the exact same thing. Uh, Rooney had been in Tulsa for parts of three years. Too long. Uh, I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he completely revamped his arsenal. He spent all offseason in CBR last year. He worked alongside Rob Denick. Walsh, Coin, all those guys that are out there during the offseason. And he really bought into the two-seam two seam slider-cutter mix. And it was very different than when he was the year before when he was still starting. Um, and he kind of, I mean, he just tore lefties up. The, the, sinker, the sinker in on lefties' hands and then the slider off of it was no one stood a chance when he was in Tulsa. And then he went and did that again in OKC this past year. And then he was really good against Wright because he just spammed cutters to him and then would throw a slider below the zone and they'd chase it because it would hold that exact same line. But both him and Gamboa, they, they worked so hard to get to where they were this past year. And it was really cool to see them kind of take off and, and see the success that they deserve to see. Two-part question for you here about Rooney. Number one, does he have the best pickoff move that you've ever seen? And number two, who called the pickoff on 
on Altuve. Did you call that from the from the dugout, or did he call that himself? Okay, so when he went into the game, we knew he was going to pick off, and everybody was like, "Well, okay, like Altuve's going to know," and it's like, "Well, he's on a rehab outing. He, he's not going to be looking at other relievers' pickoff moves." So, I mean, as soon as he went into the game, there's like, there's a very good chance that Rooney goes and picks this guy off. I, it's unbelievable how many guys he picks off. Denick and I looked at it this past year, and over his minor league career, he has amassed nine total innings in pickoffs alone. Holy cow. So he's done a complete game by just picking guys off at first. I mean, that, it's a testament to how good it actually is. I'll bet he was pumped coming off the field, too, because it was a third out of the inning. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, he didn't throw a single pitch. <laughs> He didn't. I forgot that was the only thing. He didn't have to throw a pitch, did he? Yeah, he didn't throw a pitch. He came in, got an out, threw no pitches. Okay, the next guy may be my favorite pitcher in the entire organization just because he's such a great dude. He's so talented. He's overcome so much, and he just does everything you ask him to do. I call him the most versatile pitcher in the entire system, hands down, Braden Fisher. Oh, what a year that Fish had. Uh, so I – Fish has kind of been in this. Uh, I, I had him for two weeks in Rancho in 22. Then he went to Great Lakes and was great in Great Lakes all year. Then he did the exact same thing this past year where he went to Great Lakes, was unbelievable for a week, and then was with us the rest of the year. Um, his ability to throw the curveball and slider in zone as high of a percentage that he does is unbelievable. It's nasty, and, isn't it? Uh, it? It really is. I mean, it's a straight over-the-top release. And he also throws a mid-90s fastball with extreme carry as well. That he doesn't throw very often, but that's just a testament to how good the curveball and slider are. You know, the slider metrically might not look like other sliders that you would see, but it profiles off of his the angle that he creates out of the hand. It, it just you just don't see it. It just creates empty bats. It, it's unbelievable. The next guy, one of my favorites too. I actually named a pitch after his high school team, the Conconators. I know he's so proud of his wonderful high school baseball program back at Key West, the Key West Conks, and that would be Antonio Knowles. This is a guy that when he is in the zone with that slider, he is unhittable. Slider monster. That That's who Knowles is. And uh, he had some unbelievable stretches with us yes. this past year in the bullpen. Uh, but his biggest development this year, funny enough, was becoming better with the sinker. And he started throwing it more because guys would start to typecast him into like, we're going to eliminate the, in the entire inner half of the plate and we're just going to sell out for the slider because we know we're going to see a handful of them in that bat. And as good as the pitch is, right, it, it puts a lot of pressure on being able to throw it exactly where you want it. And what he did was develop the sinker and the feel for it to just absolutely break bats. And then all of a sudden he would be able to expand laterally after he would throw the sinker a couple times and it, it was game over from there i mean he just would dice through lineups towards the end and then to left he throws the cutter that's a really good pitch and then he has the slider off of it it's he he is the full the full spin monster like that yeah. that is that is what he likes to do and that's what he's good at and he is more than happy doing that and, and that's something that goes into his catch play and his you know early touch routine where he get on the mountain. I mean, it, it's not that he's throwing the sliders hard, but he, he wants to consistently feel how it comes out of his hand. And then there's a lot that goes into maintaining where that slider and cutter are. And he does an unbelievable job with being able to do that. So there's no reason why uh, there's no telling how good he can actually be. And we saw stretches of it last year that, I mean, he is just going to be a, a devastating option out of the bullpen. He goes on heaters. No doubt about that. When he's on top of his game, he goes like, 11-12 games and doesn't even give up any runs. So from Antonio Knowles to the 101 Express, 
Jake Polarski, I love this young man. He's got that Pittsburgh toughness to him. It's just kind of like I'm coming right at you and I'm going to kick your ass. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. So I love Jake Polarski. Yeah, another guy that was uh, fortunate enough to pitch in the fall league towards the end of the year too. And he was he went through some ups and downs with us when he first got up there, but it was more so trying to fit the arsenal together. And he a testament to him. I mean, this kid works so hard, and there's and that's the main reason why he's going to be as good as he's going to be. Uh, but I mean, he has a fastball, a four seam fastball that's up to 101 multiple times was 100 plus. Uh, Develop the two seam and the two seam and four seam are very distinguishable between each other. I mean, it, it, he creates separate spin on it and it's the two seams more of a strike option. And then he can expand vertically with the four seam. You know, he has the bullet slider that he throws 91, 92, which is absurd how hard it is. And, and then he has a curveball that he also brought back. He had it. He threw it a couple times in great lakes early on in the year. And then he brought it back in the fall league and saw a lot of success with it. And he, he just – he kind of does everything. He developed the cutter. The cutter, by the way, is 95-96. You know, I mean, it, he he's somebody that is so talented in learning new pitches, and he'll spend hours looking at grips of different people and videos of how it comes out of their hand to the point where, I mean, there's – that that's a big reason why. He's so prepared, and he he does all of his homework. He asks the right questions. Um, it, he, he is going to be – very, very good. Another guy that's very nuanced. I love him because I got to see him in college with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. He was so good there. Subby, Ryan Sublette, man, he is very difficult to hit, isn't he? It hides the ball extremely well. You know, I mean, it's just a throw that you don't ever see. And his fastball, the ability to backspin the fastball from how he throws is is incredible. Uh, his, his four seam is the crown jewel of his arsenal. I mean, it is the absolute centerpiece. And he did a lot of work throughout the year with trying to develop a, a slider off of it. He has the bullet slider that profiles really well to both left and right. Uh, tried to work on a sweeper at some point. Um, was a little hit or miss with it, you know, and it's, sometimes it's tough to develop pitches yeah. during the season. Um, but also has the cyclone, which is what he calls a, the, the change up off of it. So, I mean, he he, got, he has the full pitcher, it, it's, but his fastball is, is otherworldly how good it is. Tanner Dodson, who has just incredible stuff, and then also Ben Harris, who struck out everybody in 2022. So talk about those two. Yeah, Dottie, Dottie's another guy, like I just talked about with Polarski. He can do anything he wants to a baseball. Uh, I mean, he is so talented in terms of being able to spin anything and get it to move any direction, uh, which is a, a true talent. And not very many people are as good as it as he is. Um, throws a four seam up to 100. Uh, throws a two seam that's also really hard. And he throws both fastballs, and both of them are up to 100. Um, you know, he he has the tight slider off of it. He has a curveball that he started throwing in the mid to upper 80s towards the end of the year, uh, right towards his end of the time when he was in Tulsa, and then he went up to OKC and carried it up there. And he also throws a changeup off of it. I mean, he can throw, like I said, he can throw any pitch he wants uh, and does a really good job with it and also works at a lightning fast pace in between pitches. It's like, get the ball on the mound. I'm ready to throw again. And it's like coming right after you. Uh, Ben Harris. I I was lucky enough to have Ben uh, in the first half in 22 in Rancho saw him strike the world out, literally strike the world out. Um, And to see him last year, obviously still struck a lot of people out. I mean, it was over 35% this past year. The fastball is, it it doesn't get hit. Uh, It's, it's, it's incredible how it comes out of his hand and it, you just, you just don't see it until it's past you. 
Uh, he did so much good work on developing the slider this past year, went through multiple iterations of the pitch, finally settled on one towards the end of the year and kind of started to take it and run with it. And I know that he's working really hard and diligent with it this pat this offseason, so he's ready to hit the ground running. Kevin Gowdy, he made a bunch of strides this year, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. Uh, as soon as he transitioned to the two-seam, uh, it, it was game over for everybody. Uh, you know, he started throwing the two-seam and – was 97.99 with it and then started matching the throw with the slider and it became an 87.88 mile an hour sweeper off of it and guys were just sorting at every single pitch he would throw i mean his sinker is is special it has the ability to create miss which you don't see very often with sinkers uh Ke kevin gowdy did a lot of great work in between it he, he's similar to everybody else i've mentioned right but he is extremely prepared he knows his routine. He has it down to a science. He he does it every single day, knows not to shake the system, and is just very ready whenever he goes into the game. And, and he's another one of those guys, too, that it it's a high leg kick, and it's just, it's, the ball's coming right out of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's exploding out of the hand. Coach, I have taken a lot of your time today. This is so gracious of you to spend this amount of time talking about all these guys that the Dodgers fans want to hear about. So thank you so much for your time today. Are there any final thoughts that you want to give for the organization, for Dodgers fans? No, ju just kind of want to reiterate the fact of, you know, how fortunate I am to be able to work in this unbelievable system, you know, top down, uh, you know, from everybody in the front office to everybody that works in L.A., you know, selling tickets and everything like that. I mean, it, it, it truly is a, a, a whole community, a whole family. And, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement with a lot of the acquisitions we had this offseason, and there's reason to believe that we're just going to continue to get better and better, you know, because we have a surplus of guys that are ready to come into the big leagues and help our team from that aspect, too. So very fortunate to be around the amount of talent, the amount of resources, the amount of just great people. Uh, you know, everybody in the player development system is unbelievable. You know, it's kind of hard to believe I'm going into my fifth year already. Um, but they truly make it like a home. It's a second home to me. And I'm looking forward to getting out there and seeing what we can do top down in the system this year. Time flies when you're having fun. Pitching coach in the Dodgers system, Duran Olinger.